for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is, uh, what episode is this? 112, maybe? Uh, I think. Sounds about right. Uh, we're going to go with 112. I don't know. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's 112. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's it's 112. Uh, so today, I mean, I'm excited. We got Kurt Geyer on from Working Class Bowhunter. Yeah. And uh, I've been looking forward to getting him on. I think this is going to be pretty sweet. Um, he, he's one of the guys that I kind of looked up to. He's, he's done working class bow hunter for, I don't know, probably five or six years. I think I've been listening to them ever since kind of when I started listening to podcasts back in like 2015 ish. Um, so he's like one of the first ones that I started listening to and I enjoy his podcast. It's something a little different. Um, but it's, it's working class, you know, it's guys like you and I just really, letting your hair down and <laughs> yep. just uh, going out hunting and having a good time yeah and it's you know I, we talked a little bit like about that branding last week like when i was talking about the youtube channel and you know just just call it what it is and i mean this they nailed it like you said like the hunting public that you could not have hit the mark more perfectly and these guys for podcasters just working class bow hunter like you know what you're getting into yep it's they perfect. nailed it for sure yep and they have like a lot of, I mean, they've done a lot of episodes. I mean, I want to say they're over 300, maybe even close to 400 episodes. I might be way wrong on that, but I'm almost positive they're like around that 350, 360 range, I think. Um, they they got a lot of cool guests on. They have got high profile guests, but then they have guys like you and I that nobody's ever heard of and yep. just come on and, and, and bullshit with. And 
they make it work and it's <laughs> he was even you know talking about uh some of his co-hosts and how they just say dumb shit sometimes but like that's like what kind of keeps the morale up and it's yep. it's pretty cool it's just, it's just off the cuff and and roll with it you know yeah yeah you gotta do that you gotta you gotta keep it fresh yeah you gotta keep it fresh and i agree you know i do want to talk about something real quick you did share something on instagram today and it was something that i actually had to look back at and it was pretty cool and i want to read it and it was actually from gary vanderchuk oh, and yeah. i don't know if anybody knows who gary vanderchuk is but it's something pretty cool he he posted and it says start making content for what you want to be known for not what the audience is giving you likes for yep. that's huge like yeah. that was just like so cool to like kind of hear that and it kind of like in a way kind of grounds you a little bit and i think <laughs> but oh, it does. It's, it's, it's just something cool to think about like you know sometimes you might be getting out of your own way and i think you and i the reason why i bring this up is because you and i've been talking about this for a while and how we want like the podcast to to kind of transition to more of like you know bs sessions and just like like guys just sitting around drinking beers you know what i mean and and that's like not that we were trying to be something that we weren't before it was it's never been like that but it's not as scripted not that we were scripting i don't know this sounds no, terrible it, no I no I, I know what you're saying but it's, like we didn't know what to do like we didn't know what we were doing we yeah, knew we, right we knew what we wanted to do but we didn't know if we were doing it right or wrong and that's right i don't think it's a matter of like you know legitimate right and wrong it's just a matter of like finding your place and figuring out what your vibe is it's i mean that that's that's where i'm at with the whole youtube thing right now and it's it's probably going to suck for a while. Like I'm trying to keep it as genuine as possible, hunt with my wife a lot, whatever. But I mean, it, it applies across the board, videos, podcasts, photography, like whatever, like you go back 16 years and look at one of the first videos you ever cut, you know, you're probably going to say, Jesus, that sucks. I can't believe I even, you know, that's, (laughs) that's what I thought was good back then. I mean, yep. It's just a matter of finding your, find your groove. I, I agree, man, hundred percent. And I think this podcast, you know, the last couple of podcasts have have started kind of going that way, and yeah. people have been giving us really good feedback with it, like more feedback um, about how they love the love the transition and how we're doing it. And I think we just keep this train rolling, man. And and thank you for like sharing that because that was pretty cool as an eye opener and just something like yeah, you know, do things for you and how you want them. And don't worry about anybody else, basically. Yeah, that's, you know, do it for yourself. Dude, and it's – I don't want to get too far into this intro, but, like, that that Gary V quote today was, like, I've been so, like – I'm, I'm focused on this, but I'm trying not to, like, overthink it. I'm trying to just figure out what's natural about doing this YouTube thing. Like, I want to brand it, but it needs to be something that, you know, makes sense. Like, it's not going to be, like, you know – ultimate space deer hunter outdoors adventures.com you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like yep i just want it to be to be natural and it's like there's a i forget what movie it's from it might be like point break or something remember that movie with the surfers at rob banks like one of the guys was teaching somebody how to surf and it was like the harder you try the harder you fail but the more you naturally you are like you just you take the wave for what it is and just stay on your feet and that's how you surf it's like Yep. I'm trying to figure that out right now. So I'm just 
seeing that quote. But was to like, kind of further that point though, too, like the more you fail to me, the more you learn. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, so the harder you try, the, the harder you fail, but the more you learn in a lot of aspects. Yeah. And you know what, one of the things I'm going to bring to my YouTube channel going forward, you know, whether I figure out a name anytime soon or not, like I'm not just going to put hunting videos out there. Like I'm going to break down every hunt after I edit it. Like, like Allie's Turkey hunt last week. That's, I've got a ton of great feedback. So thanks to anybody who's commented or reached out. Like I really appreciate it. Like even guys like a marketing agency here in Iowa was like, dude, I don't watch videos, but like you had me from the first frame. Like I watched all 12 minutes of that and it was badass. It was, it was raw footage, but it was polished like by someone who knew what they were doing. And I was like, thanks. I guess it's, it's the feedback like that, that makes me say, okay, well that worked like stick with this. And you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring another, it'll be a separate playlist, but like, I want to bring, I don't know, I call it like the breakdown or something. And I'm going to bring that like self-filming education aspect to the hunt video. Like I'm going to let the, the video play, but then like a few days later, you know, once it's, you know, while it still has some momentum, some traction, go back and do like a picture in picture and be like, you know, I only had one lens. I, I had to know how to shoot for this because it was in 4k. I, I only had a 70 mil lens. I'm going to edit on a 1080 timeline. So I know I got extra crop, like I can push and just explain things like whether you have to plan for it or not, or how to, you know what I mean? Just kind of bring some of that stuff that a lot of people don't know about, for sure. or, you know, besides yep. guys like you and I, but like, I've been trying to focus on something else to elevate that, you know, I don't want just a playlist of hunting videos cause it's, I don't think it's really going to last if that's all it's going to be. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yep. I like it. Keep the, keep the range broad and just, you know, do things that you're passionate about and you know a lot about. Yeah. So, and, and, and make it, you know, some educational things on it too. People love that. For sure. Yeah. And that's, I'm I'm no expert, but I've failed enough to have learned a lot. So, I mean, I'll, I'll share that all day with anybody who wants to watch it. So, well, we're failures. So, I yeah. mean, we failed a lot. <laughs> and so yeah. we're learning. <laughs> Always learning. Well, anyway, cool, man. This sorry, intro is actually me. officially like four minutes over that, like we said, we were going to cut it off. So I say we just cut it off here and get over to this interview with Kurt. <laughs> yep. Yep. Send it over there. Sorry. Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today, uh, Kurt Geyer is joining us from Working Class Bowhunter. Kurt, welcome to the to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it a lot. I've heard good things. So I'm glad that you asked me to be on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Just in brief or, you know, quick here. I mean, working class bow hunters, in my opinion, is one of the OGs. When I started listening to podcasts, I mean, you and, and basically Kenyans wired to hunt, um, were the ones that I kind of cut my teeth on and, and, uh, it's pretty cool to have you on here finally. And, um, it only took me like 112 episodes to get you on and almost two years of doing podcasts, but Hey, we're here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. That's a big, big compliment. We're, uh, kind of opposite end of the spectrum from Kenyon if that's what you started on so <laughs> well so, yeah it, I appreciate that man yeah it's like opposite of track though because like I have that his that's like does one thing for me and yours does another so it's, it's good I it's a it's a well-rounded machine so <laughs> very cool well I appreciate that yeah I like yeah. to being called an OG of podcasting is cool. I don't know. <laughs> you're not I like old. It. I don't want to make it sound like you're old or anything. <laughs> well I mean but podcasting like the popularity of hunting podcasting is not it's it's a new thing. I mean, so 
if you've been in it over five years, I guess you kind of are an OG, you know? Yeah. Yep. For sure. Definitely. Well, we were just doing a pre like recording here and just kind of like got caught up in a good conversation. And Justin just asked you a question. Um, I want you, if you remember the question to, to kind of let's, let's start there where it was and, and, and answer that, that bad boy, if you would. Yeah. I think it, it was like how I make my moves on a whitetail or how I know when to make a move. Yeah. Like when do you know when to be aggressive and when to be cautious? And, you know, it's one thing to be able to make that determination like in the moment based on body language like when you see an animal but like as far as overall hunting the animal you know pressuring and you know yeah. intel recon running cameras like what's your what, um, what's or, your uh i don't know strategy i guess i'm honestly I, I feel like i'm fairly malleable like i don't have like one hard thing that i stick to you know what i mean like i don't have like yeah. that's the thing that i do which I, I don't know if that's even a right thing to do to have one thing you always go to i mean maybe it isn't a tough a tough situation. Um, I'll use my past season kind of as an example. Uh, I was hunting this buck that I called creepy. Um, I kind of had a, a few, few year history with them. He's just kind of a unique deer, like a real weird guy, but he was fairly, as he got older and more mature, he was pretty elusive and I didn't see him at all last year and got a couple sightings and some good trail cam pictures of him uh, this season. Um, and my strategy on him, I stayed on fringes of everything. I didn't really jack around in the timber really at all. Um, and because of that, I got to see him out in the open. It was actually black Friday. I believe it was the first time I saw him on the hoof in daylight. And I saw where he came out of. And that right there showed me, I'm like, well, he came out of there. That's the one spot that I haven't hit hard. I found a shed close to his shed, the previous year, close to that area. So that kind of gave me a tip on where I think I'd probably have to apply the aggression when I felt the time was right. Um, right. so what I did was I put some trail cams in some potential spots where I was going to hang a stand and hunt. And sure enough, just a, within a week that tipped me off and that's what I made my move and, and got in there. So I guess in that situation, you know, I kind of did a little bit of the old like French, um, what do they call it? Like an observation stand, if you will, saw where he was and I was like, okay, there it is. That's where I get aggressive. And that's where I applied it. And um, I think I, I shot him December 8th or December 9th. I can't remember, but Damn. so it was, that was more of like a, Oh, there he is. That's where he came from. This is what I think I need to do. Then once I had the proof of like, that's where he is, let's go after him. Um, I, I was honestly a little too scared to go in hard after him before knowing that, um, and seeing where he came out of initially. Cause I was really worried about bumping him on the neighbors. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but <laughs> no, it definitely does. It's it's just, it's interesting to hear you know people's different perspectives on on how to hunt you know not just a mature deer but deer in general. Like, I mean, I, I came to Iowa two years ago and I was not much of a mobile hunter prior to being here. Um, I hunted you know dairy farms back in New York where I grew up, and it was ladder stands that I'd put up on places I had permission to hunt. You know and mm -hmm typical spots looking at like you know beaver dams and crossings and swamps and cornfields and you know just hoping for the best but yeah I've, i learned a, a shit ton coming to iowa and just not knowing the ground just playing the public land game and and staying mobile but it's it seems like there's always a you know there's a there's a rhyme or reason based on everyone's situation for sure well cool i think here. a lot of people i mean with the experience comes different like tricks in your bag right that you know, might come up in a certain situation. Like if a deer's doing something, you see him moving a certain way on a certain wind, like, you know, you're going to tackle 
every situation a little different, but I think there's a lot of people with a lot of experience that, and maybe I'm only the only guy who does it and they might think I'm an idiot, but I apply a lot of hunting and hunting just, I mean, basically just putting time in to learn a lot every season because like earlier, not everything always applies. So if I'm hunting a new spot, I don't know anything about it and say what, whatever piece it is, I'm going to hunt a shit ton to try and learn it and see how the deer move it. And that might shoot me in the foot sometimes. Um, but then it's also really helped me, um, probably more times than not. So, but I hunt a shit yeah. ton, but hunt smart about it. You know, don't, you know, I'm not walking through like an asshole on a terrible wind through a spot and I'm kind of using just accumulated. I don't want to say basic knowledge, but accumulated knowledge of how deer use wind and terrain and all that to, to hunt a shit ton, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And then you wait for that opportune moment, you know, or a, a deer that might reveal himself to you while you're doing that and then say, yep, that's time to go. We got to get in. Exactly. Yeah, pushing. for sure. Yep. Are you waiting for that time? Like, let's say, you know, you got dibs on or dibs or you have, you have, you know, history, a bead, a bead on a buck <laughs> throughout the summer. You know, you're watching them. You got them on trail cam, stuff like that. But are you, are you even if you think you have like a pretty good idea of like, I, you know, I'm pretty sure he's right in this area. Are you still trying to stay back a little bit and you have to see him make that move before you do anything? Or are you kind of like getting more aggressive and jumping in? I would say it just depends. Right. So if I have, if it's October 5th and I got trail cam picture, if I know like, Oh yeah, he's there. I got pictures of him in velvet. Cause in Illinois we can't use mineral or supplemental yep. feeding. So a lot of it's like, if I get a trail cam picture of a buck, it's fairly natural movement, right? So if I know he's doing something October 5th in the afternoon, he's there in daylight, like, yeah, I'm going to get aggressive. But if I know he's in there, but I haven't got like the tip off yet, I'm it all just depends. It depends on my mood too. Sometimes I might just be like, I'm going for it. I'm just going to go after it. But I'd say more times than not, I'm going to dance around and taper in my aggression as I learn more, as I get, I guess, more honed in. Yeah. I definitely can see that. And it's definitely for me, like a very situational thing. And I think a lot of people it's very situational too. So it's, you know, there's some guys out there that are like, they need the the black and white answer. They like need, you know, X plus, you know, Y equals whatever to, for it's like, that's how hunting is like, but no, it's, it's to me, it's like more situational. So like in Michigan hunting high pressure here, you know, I, I do tend to stay back quite a bit until I do see a, a deer do a movement, uh, and then mm -hmm. jump in and then try to get right in there. But like when I was hunting Iowa last year, I went in, I got, I, I did hang an observation stand, but I knew I was in the thick of things or I could kill, but I could still see good. And then once I saw the deer that I was after, you know, make a move, I moved right then that morning when he went by me, I moved and yeah. ended up killing him that next uh midday the next day in that stand so i feel like That's awesome feel like it's very situational um but I, I always like to pick guys brains though too like and it's i know that's kind of a hard question to ask or answer because it every situation is different and everybody it's all yeah. relevant you know yeah it's not copy paste to every deer to every right. property to every area every state yeah um that's something i you know i hang out with the Quisto boys a lot and that's something I always hear. I mean, it's something that in my head always makes sense and something I always do, but kind of asking, because why do the DeQuisto series podcast with those guys? So when listeners asking, Hey, I saw a buck do this. How much time do you give me before you move in? And they're, and I like how they break it down. Cause it's almost like, 
well, why would you even have to think about it? Like get after it. If he's there, you saw him do something. Why aren't you there? Right. Like get in there and kill him. So like that kind of is like, well, yeah, that is, that is the common sense thing, but I know most people are hesitant to do it or the situation doesn't always apply that way. So, but that that's the cool thing about bow hunting, man. When you're trying to get in close on them on a mature buck, it's, it's tough, man. And as soon as you think they're doing one thing, you move in there and they do the complete opposite. Yep. Very humbling. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's why if anyone ever is like, oh, I got this whitetail thing figured out, like you're kind of just like, oh, yeah. You're high. I bet you, you do, you man. You don't have it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> right. No one does. <laughs> no, no. And that's like something, you know, Justin and I talk about it quite a bit too, is like how hunters overcomplicate things, you know, and it's just like... Yeah it's the easy thing to do. I mean, I find myself laying in bed at night, getting ready to go hunting the next morning, still looking at maps on my phone. Like where the, where the <laughs> fuck am I going to go sit, you know? And I'm trying to get, yeah. get into like a 10 acre patch of timber. It's like, how many different places can you go sit? So it's like, do you sound like me? You sound exactly <laughs> like me, man. Cause I'll call my dad or, you know, if my dad and I are hunting together. We'll get up. I'm like, man, I was going to go to whatever stand, but I don't know. I, I thought about hanging a stand over here or just go with your original plan. That's yep. what he tells me. Just stick with your plan. You just talk yeah. me through it. It made sense. Stick with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my experience is usually your, your first reaction or your gut instinct is the right one. It's that, I mean, I, I'm the worst, like second guess yourself to death, <laughs> to death. Man. Yeah. I, I I ordered bowstrings today for a bow I don't even have yet, and I sat there for four hours playing with different color options. I was like, this is stupid. Well, Jeez. do you guys ever do this? Like, I'm sure you guys all have a circle of guys that you call when you're when you're second guessing a game plan, 100%. like guys you trust, guys, <laughs> yep. guys that you care about their opinion. And I have a few of those guys on my speed dial or my favorites list, and I'm like, man, you know. I, I did it with my buck that I call it creepy. I talked about earlier. Hey man, I saw him do this. Like I'm going to do this. What would you do? They're like, well, yeah, you, I would do the same thing you're going to do. I'm like, all right, cool. I just needed someone to be like, that's a good plan. Even though I already made my plan. Yep. So I call right. it the second opinion circle. Those are the guys that I call. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They get called for the game plan before you go in to try and kill a buck. And they get called after the shot. If you're some, I, I always doubt myself for some reason, even if the shot's perfect. And then you call that circle for you to get down. This is where the shot was. Yep. This is how he acted. This is, you know, X, Y, Z. You're, you're so. like downloading uh, anatomy pictures and shit like that. Like, fuck, I thought <laughs> it was like quartering away, but I don't know. Exactly. Like, fuck. Yeah, dude, I <laughs> yeah. do it all the time. I think everybody does, but yeah, I don't know how many times I've sat, you know, doing a hang and bang or something like that and getting an area and it's like, okay, that tree looks good. Man, does that one look good there too? And it's like. And then you like start breaking down the pros and cons of each tree. Like what, what if uh-huh. he comes from here? What if he, and it's like, God damn, just get up there and just sit yep. it, you know, I don't know. Oh dude, I did that exact thing before I killed that deer. Cause I went in, hung my stand and killed him like two hours later. And I, I, there was one, none of the trees were perfect. It was one of those trees that like, splits off from the base into three different trees. And I had to kind of like jump up into that split, then hang my first stick out of that split and then climb. And it was like an angled tree and it just wasn't perfect. And I did that whole thing. I'm like, man, I have two shooting lanes up here. That's (laughs) normally how you kill them, you know? Yeah. Make a move like that when they're not expecting it. And hopefully you can slide an arrow through. Yeah. How, how often do you look at historical data? Like you talked about that buck creepy, you had a shed from them and it was in that same area. So like, you saw the deer move or do that move. And then you're like, you probably immediately felt like, well, shit, I have a shed from, 
you know, however far away from that sighting, are you like taking that into consideration or did that almost become like a hindrance where it's like overcomplicating? Like, like how did that Um, play out? That deer was unique um, because when I first really knew about him, he was a buck that like wasn't even on the radar to shoot. Like he was real weird and real unique looking. And he had just, his body had a real unique look. His, his eyes were like black and like empty looking. And that's how I named him creepy. He just looked weird. And he has, it's hard to explain. I'll show you some pictures, but he had like a weird head shape. His, the, the hair on his face was different color. He's real strange. And when he was, I guessed him to be, it would have been two years ago before I killed him. He, he almost ran me over. Like I was walking <laughs> through the woods and he like met me face to face. So I thought something was wrong with him for a couple of years, honestly. Um, and he was kind of all over the place. So I just was in all over every single trail cam I had. I saw him everywhere I went, walking in and out. He'd just be in the middle of the field. I'm like, well, what the hell is he doing over here? And um, so, yeah, like I just, he was weird. So he was so sporadic. But then when I found his shed and then had some trail cam pictures of him, I never saw him the year I found the shed, though. But I found that shed there. Then the following year, the year that I, uh, with the rack that I ended up killing him with, I was starting to get pictures in that area and where he was, where I thought he was bedded and spent the majority of his time. That was like one of the only spots I really hadn't intruded on or spent any time in. So I knew that this pocket that I hadn't touched was probably where he was living. And that's why when I did see him come out of there, I was like, okay, my suspicions were correct. And that's, that's why I did what I did. So yeah, I mean, a little bit with that deer is unique. Like I knew he might be in that area, but of course I always look back on old trail cam pictures for historic data and that motivate me. Right. Right. But yep. it's not too common that I get to follow deer for over the years. You know what I mean? Mostly for me, it's every year brings a new situation or a new buck. For sure. Yeah. I totally get that. And it, there's something, there's a novelty to me for like following a buck year after year. Like, I just think it's like, sometimes I get just too wrapped up into it and like, you almost get intimate with that deer. Like you name them, you know what I mean? Like people call me crazy for naming deer and it's like, well, do you want me to fucking say the big eight? Like how many big eights are out there? You know, like, (laughs) uh, you know, Justin calls me like, oh yeah, I saw big eight 2.0. Like, no, it's like you saw like sparky, you know, it's so it's just easier, but you know, you almost get intimate and it's like, I don't know. I I filmed, I've been filming since I was 16. I'm 33 now. And it's like, I've always kind of been a storyteller, so I like to, like, like that just adds to the story, you know what I mean? Instead of just having... Yeah, it adds a little flavor to it. Yeah, instead of just having, like, a random buck. Like, I I shot a buck in Kansas this year, didn't know one thing about the deer. He just showed up. I literally pulled my bow up, was knocking an arrow, and the guy that was filming me was looking... I was, like, still wiping the sweat off my face from from climbing up the tree, and he goes, buck coming down the trail, or coming down the logging road. He came to four yards and I, I smoked him right there. Never saw the deer before in my <laughs> life. And I'm like, when we're done, that was great. <laughs> yeah. You that's know? awesome. But, yeah. I mean, that's how a lot of my bucks have been, have been kind of, I know I'm in a good spot. Like I've done my homework and you know, most of the problem is I don't have a big enough property that deer stay there uh, for very long. So that's a lot of my kills. You know, I have a few, you know, I guess I have probably half and half like other deer I knew about and stuff like that. And, but I'll take those, you know, if a random buck wants to show up at 15 yards. Oh yeah. I'll, uh, Love I'll it. take that all day. Yeah. I'm not going to discriminate at all. I mean, I'm going to oblige by throwing something through his chest cavity, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. 
So <laughs> for sure. Are you are you a public land hunter too, or are you just like strictly private, or do you do both? For whitetails, I'm just I hunt my little farms for private. That's really all I've dabbled with. Uh, there is some public in my not really in my area, like probably an hour each direction. I got like north south. I got a some decent public ground, but I haven't really dabbled. It's hard for me to leave deer to go find other deer. You know I, I, I mean? do. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I've been fighting with this <laughs> with Justin. I'm like, I I go and scout public land in Michigan around here, and I'm like, I you know I get that like that bug. I'm like, I want to go find something new. Like, let's go find something. Then it's like, I get trail cam pictures of bucks that I really want to chase on private, and it's like, why the hell am I leaving these deer to go hunt on public land where? And it's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Every year it happens, man, and I haven't hunted public yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I get why guys do hunt public ground, but I'm I'm definitely not a guy that's going to hunt public ground just to post on social that I'm on public ground. Yeah. You know, yep. like, if I, I mean, I know of some ground where some big deer live that's public, and, you know, I'm, I keep, I keep that in my pocket. I'm like, man, I got my, my mobile set up. I might, I might go make a move and just see, see what's going on in there. You know, that's always the question. But then I'm like, man, but I know this spot could be really good over here and i'm just i know my other spots already you know so it's that's cool i've hunted some public out west and stuff like that but i know that's a different ball game um, yep. than it is in the midwest for whitetails but you know yeah it's something um, i, I mean, definitely want to cool. do someday yeah you know like have you ever seen that will ferrell uh commercial where he's in the mississippi river it's oh something yeah i want to do <laughs> yep <laughs> love it it's a good one yeah no i the public land thing i I, I get why people do it, you know, and with Justin's, with his point, you know, he's in Iowa, doesn't have any private land. So public's, you know, right up his alley. Um, for sure. And he's, I mean, I'll tell you what, for him, and I'll speak highly of him here. I mean, just for doing it the last couple of years, he's been very successful at doing it in on the ground and, and from a mobile set, like he's, he's got it done. It's, it's been pretty cool to, to watch and just kind of, you know, kind of ride along cool. with them, you know, with it, doing it. Yeah, I, I'm of course I'm definitely rooting for those public guys, man. There's a lot more challenges and just different sticks always getting tossed in your spokes that way. But you know, it's there's also certain pieces of public that I know don't get hunted hard that I should go in there and and check out and probably hunt. But like yeah, just like you said earlier, I go in circles with it. It's like I'm not gonna leave deer for other deer when I know these deer. Yeah, no, I, trust me. If I if I had private land or if I had a farm of my own, I I would probably spend the next three years developing that and, you know, learning that and just learning it very well. Like, yeah, I, I like the public land game and I, you know, I love, I love whitetail hunting. It's what I'm, it, it's my thing. Like I love Western hunting. I do like one or two trips a year, but whitetails is, I'm a, I'm a whitetail guy. Yeah, and for sure. It's the king of, I don't love it for 5,000 an is, acre, yeah. but yeah, definitely. It's, it's cool, man. Like I, you know, it's, I I hunt, I don't own any farm, so I just have like, oh yeah, you can go here and, you know, having permission on property like that, it always cycles. Like you can hunt there for a couple of years, then you can't hunt there, but then you can pick up this other piece. So I'm used to dancing around on small pieces of private. Um, but you know, I've, I've talked about this before. I think small pieces of private and public all have their challenges in different ways. And I think that guys that hunt private, kind of have a shock when they go to a piece of public and then guys that are used to hunting large pieces of public land come to a 30 acre piece of private and they might be pretty shocked and surprised that you know you got to be all over your your p's and q's and you go in to try and hunt the same deer over and over again on 30 acres 
It's t- right. difficult. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. You know, Yeah, you mess up a couple of times and he might just live on a property that you can't go to that you can see from your stand. So you got to really think about things before you just make, make stupid decisions. So, yeah, that's true. It really Very is. I, d- I do want to transition a little bit. I want to go back to the complicating thing and like the second guessing, like I've, I've been second guessing some things and, and still like right now I was fighting with myself and getting second opinions and stuff like that. But like when you're out there, you know, trying to make a decision, whatever it might be like, where, you know, and, and you're just fighting with yourself. What is that? Like maybe that deciding factor where it's like, God damn it. Just, just do it. You know, or is it just one of those things? Like it might feel so weird. Like you've never done that before and you don't think it's going to work. Is that make sense? Like, I, I just, yeah, I think so. I, I, I guess let me answer it and then, <laughs> and yeah. then I'll see if I'm I'm understanding what you what you're trying to get at. I think my curiosity as like just wondering what what I might see, like I don't know about that spot. Just sit there. Who knows? Like guess and check. Yep. Because I've hunted in some spots that I've considered like fairly bizarre, like out in the middle, like just a, a clump of oaks out in the middle of all these fields, and you're like, I, I doubt I'll see anything. And you go out there, and you might see a really good buck, and be like. Oh shit, he's living in here. Like so random, nothing's gonna get to him, or he's gonna know it if something's gonna get out there to him. So like just odd stuff like that or stuff that I feel weird about. Like I might just try it out of curiosity to see, because you might learn something. Yeah, and that's like that's exactly what I was trying to get at, and I explained it terribly. But uh my biggest thing right now is second guessing is I, I don't I don't consider myself a mobile hunter right now. I'm the the only time I get mobile is if I like if I'm hunting out of a set stand and I see a deer do something, I move, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of my mobile, but it's that's something effective though, man. It, dude, I killed the best year of my life last year in Iowa doing it. And I saw him for two days and he kept doing for two days. He did the same thing and I moved and killed him at three thirty the second day. He went one eighty six, just a absolute oh, slammer. And yeah, a legit slammer. <laughs> yeah. And I never expected that, you know, and, I was eight feet off the ground in a cedar tree with no sticks. I just climbed up, uh, you know, using limbs and hung the tree and, and killed him that next day. But like, I, that's awesome. Yeah. I want to put mobile hunting into my repertoire, like actually putting a stand on my back and going in and just picking a spot and going. Um, yeah. But like in Michigan, you know, high pressure and stuff like that, I guess the biggest thing that I'm fighting with is like, I want to be able to, if I need to slip in real quiet and just climb up the tree. Like, I feel like I'm going to be so loud hanging a tree and <laughs> a stand, you know, and it might take a little longer. You know, I don't get a lot of time to hunt. And when I do, I just try to cherish it and, you know, try to yeah. be as effective as I can. But like, I don't know. I've been picking everybody's brain. Justin's probably sick of me hearing or sick of hearing me talk about it. But like, <laughs> well, you know what, what you just said, I would guess, and there's going to be some guys screaming, when they hear me say this, I would guess most people that consider themselves mobile hunters probably hunt how you just described because, and which is fine. I, I still consider that mobile. Like you are willing and able to make a move on a deer. It's not because, I mean, you're doing it that way because you're making your move when you know it's right or when it's the most effective, kind of like what I described earlier, it, hanging and hunting every time setting up, pulling down is exhausting. It is effective. But it can be exhausting no matter what setup you have. If you do that every sit, if you hunt a lot, um, 
But I mean, it, like it's all situational again. You know, you could go into a spot you know is hot, get in there, see a buck do one thing because you went and did like a hanging bang, pull down next day, do it again, and then kill him. That's probably how a lot of that happens. Um, but either way, I still consider that both mobile. It just depends on to what level. Right. Are you are you yeah. hunting set stands as well? Both. Are I you? keep um, so I keep my custom gear set up like ready to rock in my truck. It stays there. Um, I hunted actually almost everything I hunted last year was a hang and bang. Um, I did leave the one I did see that deer from. I ended up leaving it there, um, and then I keep my custom set up. I end up leaving it there because I did I did kill a buck there actually, and I left it, and I realized how good of an observation <laughs> spot yep. it was. Um, I killed a, a good 10 pointer about a month before I killed that buck creepy. Um, but my custom gear, my true mobile setup always stays in the chamber in the back of my truck. So when I go to make a move or I have an idea, it's there and I'm, I'm going in. I gotcha. So a little of both. I gotcha. Justin, were you going to say something? I kind of cut you off there. Oh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now that it's excruciating setting up and tearing down every single time all season long. <laughs> Dude, it'll burn and then you, you out, start but... fa- You factor in multiple states and doing that, and oh my god! You know what's worse is if you don't put it on social media every time. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you gotta oh let people gosh. know you're doing it the hard way. If you're gonna put the work in, you better get some attention for it on on the on the Facebook. Yep. Right. On the on IG, the book. the book of faces, definitely gotta get gotta <laughs> do that. Uh, <laughs> I guess I to kind of stay on this topic a little bit, so. You know, I know you're probably hunting a lot of the same properties like year after year, so you probably know them pretty good. Um, but like, even on my family farm that I've been hunting and cutting my teeth on my whole life, like I'm, I'm turning over leaves still like today that I like. You know, deer change, like their patterns change, yeah. like a ton. You know, and right now our property is getting logged off, like not the whole thing, but a, a good portion of it. So it's going to change the deer movement quite a bit, but. I'm turning leaves over right now that spots that I've never hunted in, in, you know, the 20 years that I've hunted. Um, but like to, to, are you going in like right now or, you know, in the off season and looking at a map and being like, okay, I want to get in this area. You go boots on the ground. It's like, okay, I want to, I think that's going to be the stand. Do you go and trim that out and not hang a stand? Just knowing, just kind of preparing yourself. Like when you come back to be mobile, you can just hang it and you know, you got lanes or is it just one of those things, just run and gun, stay the hell out of there as much as you can. Uh, I'll be 100% honest. I don't fuck around on my properties much at all in the summer, like very minimal. I don't really have properties that are set up to like glass from a certain area. I don't, have a a lot of properties with ag fields on them where like, you know what I mean? Where bucks are going to be out in velvet on beans. And I don't really have properties that are visible like that. Um, the property I grew up on hunting and I still have access to is pretty much all timber and ravines and big oaks and stuff throughout it. Um, so I, I guess for the most part, yeah, like the recipe is kind of the same, but the caliber of deer I hunt every year changes. And I've kind of learned how mature deer use that ground separate from those and fawns and young bucks and stuff like that. So I would say, yeah, like most part, everything's kind of, I'm learning more every year and how a deer might use it to go from point A to point B to the neighbor's piece. What do they have over there this year type of thing? You know, that changes every year too. What pressures that piece getting over there that might push something here or make the deer move a little different from mine to their place. So 
you know, I, but I also, most of my stuff is on the fly. Like I'm not going to, I wouldn't never go to a spot and trim all the limbs and stuff out. And then in plans of coming back to it, gotcha. because it might not fit in the, might not fit into my game plan when right. it's time to make a game plan. Yeah. And that makes total sense because that's another thing I'm like, you know, when you're in any scenario, but I, I think first high pressure, cause that's where I'm doing a lot of my hunting. So it's like, I need to stay the hell out as much as I can, you know, and I've, mm-hmm. I've been buying some cell cams and just putting them in areas. So I don't even have to go in anywhere. Um, yeah. but I think that's another thing. Like the mobile deal is like, you stay the hell out of there. You're not going back there, hanging stands, trimming lanes. And you know, that could be two or three trips a summer just in one spot. It's like, stay out yeah. of there and just get in there and Everybody always says it's, you know, first sit in, it's the best sit, you know, so. Yeah. Yep. A piece that I hunt on both sides of it, I won't say like exactly what's on both sides of it because it'll give away like where I hunt and just there's local people that want to find out where I hunt. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? So both the neighboring properties to where I hunt are both like a public access type event type areas, outdoor event stuff. So until the weather is too cold for people to be outside, like recreationally, there's just pressure on both sides running deer around. Um, so I do kind of stay out and stay minimal on pressure until it's too cold for people to be out. Then I can make my moves a little better on that piece. So that, uh, that changes things a little bit for me as well on how deer use that property. So it's, I'm always trying to learn. I'm never, I never go into something closed minded. Like I know already. Um, and I think everybody probably should have that mindset. Dude, that makes a ton of sense. Like, I'm glad you just said that kind of, you know, be open-minded because I've, you know, that's one thing like year after year, like I said, like I just, I was the guy too. I mean, in the past, it's like these deer are going to be doing this and doing this every year. That's what they do. They're habitual and stuff like that. But it's like some deer, yes, but like you have to adapt. You have to go Mm -hmm. in there with an open mind and you have to, just kind of roll with the situations you get, if that makes yep. sense. And yeah. I think the best hunters are probably the ones that can adapt the best um, to any yeah. situation. I think too that a lot of people always, and I, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I find well, like when you talk to people at bars or something like that's a bad example, I guess. But when you talk to some people, some people are so cocky and arrogant about hunting that it's kind of painful to talk to some people about it because they're just like they know it all or. Like if you ask me right now on this piece that I plan on hunting this fall, hey, what buck you have? I don't have one on there right now. I'm gonna figure it out though. Yep. Like I'm gonna go in, put in some work, and I'll figure something out. You know, I can't guarantee that I'll kill him, but I'll see one. <laughs> yeah. I'll figure out where one's at, and you know, if I get in there and kill him, it's great. But I might go in there and bust them in the next county. Um, you know, whatever I tried. Um, but I think a lot of people are scared to admit that they don't actually fucking know. Um, but I'm gonna put the work in to try and figure it out. You know, it's. I agree. Like it's everybody doesn't want to be transparent or like be honest, you know? And it's like, cause you might be vulnerable cause you're supposed to be this, this big hunter, this, this big man that does. I just you know, think they don't want to admit it. Like it's not. I, yeah. Oh yeah. It's just 100%. owning it, man. You gotta, they don't want to come off not knowing what people think they know. For sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, Definitely. I'll admit it. I don't, you know, certain things I'll just say, I don't know. It's easier to be honest about a situation and say, Hey, I'm, I don't know, but I might figure it out. Cause that is the truth. I'm going to try my damnedest to, to figure it out. But I don't know. I, I it's like we talked about earlier. If anyone ever says they know exactly what's going on, they're full of shit. Yeah. And 
when we started this podcast too, like you, I wanted to get guys on that, like the, that are, you know, that are masters in their, in their class, I guess you could say like, but the thing is, every time you get a guy on, I just want them to speak from their, from their, uh, experiences. And that's all I want to speak from. You know, it's like, I'm not going to sure. speak to you about hunting spring bears because I've never done it. I've never hunted a spring <laughs> right. bear. You know what I mean? I can yeah. only tell you what the experiences I've been through. And that's why I always say, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to come off as this arrogant, egotistical, like know-it-all. Like, I hope I don't come across as that. I'm just, I've been fortunate enough to, to be put into a position where with my job, for the last nine years, eight, nine years, I've been on some of the best whitetail farms in the U S and have seen a yeah. lot of deer. You know, I've filmed quite a big, like some 200 inch deer die, like three booners, you know, like I I've, even though I wasn't pulling the trigger, like I'm still invested and still like the guy that I film him and Casey and I, like we're really good friends and we like, we bounced shit off each other all the time. It's like, he's not just the one like, okay, you film and like I'm hunting. It's never been like that. It's always like a teamwork. And it's like, yeah. you know, if he's pulling the trigger, it's always like, if it, it feels like we're doing it together, you know? So I can only talk to like about those experiences that I've had. And that's what I think. Well, so I'm sure, unique. I'm sure you have a ton of experiences like in your, your knowledge bank that you probably have so many of them that you don't even think about until somebody says something or asks Dude, you a specific question. Yes. You're like, oh yeah, this one time. Yes, 100%. I mean, I couldn't even send any better. It, it is. It's like, you know, I had a guy ask me about calling to a to a buck. Like, what do you what do you use when when you're calling to a buck and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, it depends on the situation. But <laughs> I was going to say, it's such a blanket. It, it is. It is. And I said, well, I can give you a scenario that I had two years ago with a buck. He come out in a bean field. It was I had a decoy out in front of me, and he couldn't see me. I was on a field edge. And in my opinion, I think, you know, if I, my idea was, like, I'm going to hit a couple soft grunts, like tending grunts, just to get his attention, mm -hmm. to let him know I'm over here. I want him to see this decoy because I felt like he was going to – I knew what deer it was, and I, I feel like he was going to get pretty aggressive. So I mm -hmm. hit a grunt. He kind of looked up my way, and I didn't want to make any noise when he's looking my way. I feel like it's just a blowhorn up there like, hey, you know, I'm over here kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the air. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he put his head down, and I hit him with two grunts, and he looked back up, and he kind of got a little more interested, took a step towards me, went back to eating. And then I kind of like leaned away from him and, and just really got aggressive. And he looked up, took him one step and he come, he saw the decoy and came on a rope right at me, you know? So, <laughs> and it, and it worked. Um, he, I was trying to film myself and it, I should have just said, screw the camera and I should have killed him, but, um, camera saved that deer. But anyway, like <laughs> I, I can only speak to that and, and if it, if it was a scenario to where like somebody asked me a scenario, maybe Casey was hunting and I was filming it, I would bring that up. Like I didn't do this, but I was like here while it happened and this is what happened. And this is what I can tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you lived an experience like, like that to experience that much whitetail interaction and like body movement and stuff, man, it, whether you're killing them or not, that's huge for the knowledge bank because like everything you just explained that's if I like talk to a dude at a bar, so that I'm like, damn, you really understand like deer body language. You could have sat there and grunted at that dude. Like you were blowing a trumpet and he'd have been out of there. You know, yep. he would have just kept yeah. moving. Um, but it's different when you talk to people that have lots of whitetail experience, like more 
fine-tuned bow hunting whitetail experiences like that, you can kind of, you have conversations with those people differently than like a newer hunter or someone that's just uh, generically asking you hunting questions. For sure. Because you kind of skip past like the, I don't, knowing basics is like probably a bad term, but there's almost like a, a basic level of hunting knowledge that experienced hunters have already. And it's kind of like you, you talk a, a step above that basic level. I don't know if that makes any sense. hundred percent. No, I, it does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, a lot of it is like, it goes without saying type of thing. Yeah. And honestly, I can't talk about hunting public land cause I've never done it. So that's why I talked to Justin about that. <laughs> so, you know, he's done it more than I have. And I like to get the public land guys on the podcast. Cause I don't know, you know, I could go into a piece of public and kind of break down like the, the terrain and everything. Cause it's kind of like you said, kind of some basic knowledge, you know, or some knowledge that mm-hmm. it's, so I could do that, but I don't know the first thing about hunting, you know, public in Minnesota or or even Michigan. I've never done it. So I wouldn't be the guy to talk to about that. Um, yeah. You'll never hear me give a public land guy a tip on hunting public land. (laughs) Nothing I can tell that guy. Yeah. I get it. I can give maybe an opinion, but I'm not going to tell him, Hey, you need to go here. I don't actually know. Yeah. Unless he asks your opinion, like, what do you think I should do in this scenario? And I'd be like, well, here's my best guess. Like, this is what I would, you know, this is what I'm in the second guest call circle. (laughs) Yep. The second guest circle. Yep. No, that's cool. I, I, um, uh, it, it's pretty crazy how you bring up the guy at the bar and stuff like that. You, you feel like you run into those guys like a lot. Like I've had so many terrible experiences, yeah. man. I hate to say that. <laughs> Just being honest though. Yeah. Yep. And that's why you kind of keep your, your circle pretty tight. You know, you know, the guys that you can get along with and <laughs> kind of think the same way you do. And you do, you just kind of weed those other guys out. Yeah. I mean, you still have the conversation and all that stuff, but it's just different. Yeah. I, I remember leaving the bar one time when I first moved to Sherrard, Illinois, when it's actually where we started the podcast and Steve, uh, uh, my co-host, he, he's a pretty green hunter, which, and he fully admits it. It's kind of a cool dynamic, but we left the bar one time. I'm like, I'm never talking about hunting at a bar again with, <laughs> with just random people. He goes, yeah, okay. I don't blame you. Like he's like, I was, he's dropping on some conversations and that was rough. Yep. Yeah, I I, so, I get it for sure. I mean, it probably makes me sound like a, like a dickhead, but it you know it's I'm kind of kidding when I say it. But if you've been in that situation, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. What um what is your plans coming up this this fall? Like, what do you got for hunts? Are you staying in Illinois? Are you going to do some out of state stuff? Um, in three weeks, I leave to hunt black bears in Wyoming. Um, which I've never done before. I've never hunted black bears. Um, so that'll be cool. I'm going with a couple of my good buddies, uh, Clint Casper, uh, Devin Leonard, um, Austin Chandler, Ross Bigger, some of my buddies. So we're doing like a horseback in and hunting black bears, which will be really cool. That's um, badass, this, man. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Really excited. Um, and then this fall, I don't know, man. Like I hunted antelope last year for the first time, and I think I really want to do another antelope hunt. Um and then just get home and chase whitetails around. I think I think that's the loose that's the loose plans for right now. Yep, for sure. I dude, after that bear hunt, I want to get you back on and pick your brain about that because that's a cool like horseback in. I know Justin; he's been doing some bear hunts out west. You didn't? Where'd you go last year, Justin? Was it Wyoming you went to? Uh, Montana. Montana. No, Montana. Oh, cool. Yep. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm going again this year. I just bought a tag. They just reinstated non-resident license sales on Thursday last week. So Friday morning, 8 a.m., I bought one. And uh, same same deal, Kurt. Three weeks, I'm headed to Montana. Oh, awesome, man. That'll be cool. It's uh, yeah. That's why we – I wasn't even – I didn't even plan that hunt at all. Like it, two weeks ago, my buddy Clint Casper's like, we're going bear hunting. Wyoming's the only state out there for bears that's <laughs> open still. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's go. And – it just really, it literally happened with like 24 hours. I had a flight and a, a hunt book and we were going. So yep. it was pretty cool. That's sweet. Yeah, we might yeah, have to have you back on to talk about that. That's cool. Yeah, it man, was I'd a learning you. experience for sure. How many times have you been out there? One. I've never been to Montana in my life, and I went out last year by myself. Oh, man, that's awesome. So you, you're <laughs> spotting was... stock out, out there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean I, I'm a bow hunter, like – whitetail like i'm primarily bow hunting but never having done it before and like i had three days to hunt so i drove 15 hours out there one way to hunt for three days i'm like (laughs) i'm taking a gun i'm not i'm not messing around i don't know what i'm getting into like i took my rifle and i i only hunted afternoons just because i was staying at a friend's house and it was like a 30 minute drive and there's there's enough access out there you can you can get far enough away and just walk right forest service road so that's all i did and i i used the um i used base map and i just looked at the burns and like i hunted old burns i just walked logging roads like i just looked for green i looked for high elevation meadows like off of very popular hiking trails like here's me just packing up you know a full pack with a 308 strap to it and hunter orange like you know people coming by on mountain bikes and people and their kids and like side eye and me like, what the hell is this guy doing? Psycho. <laughs> side eye. Yeah. It's Sasquatch. It's, well, it's just like, I'm, I was the only person on the trail with a gun. It's like not just one gun. I had two, I had my pistol and my rifle and they're like, these people are just like, Oh my God, a hunter. Hurry up and eat your granola. We need to move by honey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I, I don't know. Funny. I saw bears every day. And I, I had my first encounter with a grizzly, my first day out there, first grizzly I ever saw, and no it was a badass trip, man. It was, it was invigorating. <laughs> it was awesome. That's one thing. I guess there's, there's going to be grizzlies where we're going. We're, we're going over bait. Um, my buddy Clint, he's been to Montana, I think three times for spot and, spot and stock, and I, I think it was Montana. He told me the success rate for bow hunting is like three percent. Really, yeah, I believe that it's. For wow. spot and stop. No, it's that's crazy. Yeah, I believe that. And he's a good bow hunter too. Yeah, I, I don't know the the rifle hunts I've seen. Like I was watching a ton of YouTube videos before I went, and it was like these guys are taking between five and you know nine hundred yard shots. And I'm just like, oh my god, I'm screwed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's extreme. Well, cool, man. That's awesome. You went out there like on your own. That's that's pretty. That's pretty inspiring. Yeah, I I did the same thing in September. I went back. And I spent the whole month of September in Montana by myself. I filmed a couple people, and then I hunted by myself for a week. And I don't know. It was badass. Like, I was in my element. Yeah, <laughs> it was, that's really it was cool. Fun. Do it while I'm you don't have kids. It, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, I we're getting up here in about an hour, Kurt. I want to be conscious of your time as well. And I'm going turkey hunting in the morning. I'm going on four hours of sleep, so... <laughs> You gotta but, get it, man. Yeah, gotta get it. Yep. I appreciate you coming on and doing this, man. And like I said, we should we should if you're if you're willing, re up this and maybe do it after your bear hunt and kinda 
and uh, pick your brain yeah, about that, baby. For sure. Yeah, then we'll have to get you here on, on working class. Yeah, that'd be great. If uh, get you guys both on there. Yeah, that'd be sweet, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm subscribing to your YouTube channel right now. <laughs> yeah, our YouTube is like the lamest thing of all time. So do do what you will. <laughs> Mine, oh, ours is oh. too. I, I they get up the podcast get uploaded there and then they just sit there. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys are video guys, but I'm just not. I like the I like the traditional just audio podcast. It's just I don't know what I just like that. That's yep. that's what they're for, and I I know my lane, so I stick there. Yep, yeah. I get it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if, you know, kind of let everybody know if, you know, if nobody knows if they've been under a rock for the last five, six years and don't know working class, kind of let everybody know where they're going to find you and working class stuff. Yeah, uh, just working class bowhunter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, working class bowhunter podcast, Spotify, every podcast platform, YouTube, we have a video series on Carbon TV, um, and we also host the DeQuisto series podcast on our platform, so... Which DeQuisto series one is awesome as well. Both of them are great. I love that DeQuisto one. That one's good too. Thank you. Well, cool, man. Let's do this again. Appreciate you doing this. And uh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.